This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. We are in a series uh, right now called Expect, which is a, a season that we celebrate every year. And uh, when November rolls around, uh, we take time to allow God to stretch our faith and to stretch our faith through our finances. And it's one of those areas that we just kind of get just up close and personal and we begin to challenge ourselves in an area that uh, I think all of us need challenged in. And uh, this is, a, this is a, an exciting season, but it's also a challenging season. In that, uh, moving into it, you need faith to get through it. Um, I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about going to the gym, it's always a challenge to get there, but I am so glad that I went there, right? After you're all done, you go, man, why did I uh, just kind of resist that so much? It was so fun to finally get out of that, and I feel better as a result of it. Faith is the same way. It's because it confronts our insecurities. It confronts our attitudes. It confronts our natural thinking, and it confronts our complacency and comfort. Faith has a way of challenging us and stretching us. So every year, you know, over the last uh, literally 15 years, we've been, we've been involved in a tradition here called Faith Harvest. And we're going to talk about that a little this morning. Um, for those of you that would be new to City Bible Church, we just we want to encourage you to jump in and enjoy the journey with us and just allow yourself uh, to be stretched and to actually expect God to do something bigger and greater in your life than what he's doing already. That's the kind of God that we serve. And so we've been talking about this idea about expect and Really, the word itself, again, part of another uh, family of words, hope, expect is a, is a biblical attitude. It's not necessarily something that you conjure up yourself. It was actually placed in you by God. It's intrinsic to your nature to expect or to hope for things bigger or larger than what you currently have. And so when you think about the idea of expect, even though you may not like um, put that personally into you or intentionally in you, when you're getting ready, for instance, to have a baby like Kirsten, there is a, she's quote unquote, expecting a baby, right? And so with that expecting comes expectation. I begin to change my room out and I begin to have baby showers and look at little ultrasounds and everybody begins to talk about it. And there's something that happens in the hope of something that's going to come that you currently don't have. That's called expectation. Maybe it was the first time that you bought a house and you were so excited to move from a renter to a homeowner and you were just excited to have that house. Maybe it's just graduating from high school and all the high school students said, amen, you know. And so maybe it's just graduating from college or moving into a new career. When you're getting to the edge where you see something more, God's given us this thing called expectation for us to actually desire what he's put in us for our future. This is really what the word expectation means, and I want to read it to you. It means to, to look forward. Wherever you're at, whatever you're facing right now in your life, your marriage, your finances, 
relationship, job, whatever it is. It's, it's to recognize where you're at, but then to, to look forward, not backwards. There's a reason why God gave you a big windshield and a little rear view mirror. He wants you looking a whole lot more that way than that way, right? And so it's, it's to look forward, listen to this, with a heart of faith. Not just believing, but actually having faith and expecting something greater than what you already have. That's hope, that's faith. And it's to see things that God will do. This is where the God component is now activated or implemented, invoked into your life to where you begin to look forward with a heart of faith to the things that God is actually going to do in your life. How many think that's good news? Come on. God wants to do great things in your life. And believing God will provide all that we need for our God future. Listen, God's plan for you is good. It's not evil. God's plan for you is to give you a future and a hope. God wants to do greater things in your life. I believe that your best days are still yet to come. And when you hear that, and when you actually read his word, that's more than some kind of uh, positive confession, God's word actually tells you that you're his cherished personal treasure, that you will do more things and great things in him and through him. That's his word to you. And it puts in us when we hear those things and we're looking at where we are, when we look forward with the heart of faith, we take his word, his promises, something happens in us, it's called expectation. Expectation. Here's what I have found about expectation about my life, and again, I'd be 55 years old now, so I'm still trying to figure it out, but, but I've learned this one thing. The level of your expectation determines the level of your living. If you don't think that you're going to accomplish much, you probably won't. Why? So be it according to your attitude, to your faith. Well, I'll never get that job. You're right, you never will. God will give it to someone else because I'm not gonna get that thing. So he just gives it to someone else. Why? Is because you're not expecting it. You're not expecting him to move. It's not that you can call in everything that you want in your life, but there is this thing called expectancy. It says, I can and I will and you will and you're for me. There's an expectancy that determines a level in your life that determines your level of living in your life. And it's, it's the other way to say it is this. Whatever you expect is what you attempt to achieve. If you don't expect it, you won't lean into it. Average living, average results. And, and this is the part when you begin to think about expectancy for your life. It's a biblical attitude. It is a part of the Bible when you look at it. This, what excites me about it is it goes beyond your natural thinking. 
This isn't just about the power of positive thinking. It's, it's looking into his word and unlocking the treasures that he has for you that are above and beyond what you can do on your own. It's like erasing all of your insecurities and getting rid of all of your, your doubts and your fears and all of your shortcomings. You push them all aside and say, no, there's actually some things in the supernatural realm that are above and beyond what I could ask or think. I serve a God that's the God of the impossible, the God of the miraculous, the God that spoke, as it says in Hebrews 11, he spoke the world into existence. By his very word, he spoke the universe He can grow bananas on telephone poles. He can grow spark plugs on cactus plants. He can do whatever he wants because he's God. And it's understanding that. Thank you. I got one person so excited and clapping. Thank you. Thank you. That's the the expectation is let's get out of the natural and realize that we serve a supernatural God that's interested about your life. He's intimately involved in your world. He doesn't want you to be average. He doesn't want you to be insignificant. He wants to do great things in your life. And it's, it's our responsibility to mix his promises with our faith, which creates this um, active component that unlocks the supernatural in our life. That's biblical expectation. Listen to what the scripture says in Romans 15, 13. It says, may God, this is Paul speaking, may God, the source of expectations, meaning that there's a faucet, there's a spigot, there's something that God has that he wants to unlock. It comes from him. It's not something we conjure up. There's a source of supernatural expectations that he has for us. It will fill you with all joy and peace. Here's our part. By means of your faith. Meaning that there are already promises and supernatural things that God has over you. You just need to bring them to you. You need to unlock them by faith for your life. And it goes on and it says, so that your expectations will continue to grow by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what this season is all about, is is allowing God to invade our world, to invade our life, our minds, our resistance, our attitudes, our perspectives, our worldview, and actually putting on his thoughts instead of our thoughts. That's what we're really talking about today. And so, we do this every year. We, we move into a series called Faith Harvest. The theme, again, is expecting or expect that there's so much more that God has for you. But Faith Harvest is where we allow God to stretch us in our faith, in our finances. And it's taken actually from a biblical truth that applies literally to every area of our life. It's so interesting when we begin to talk about the God of America, money, how, how easy it is to resist this idea in the one area that just may matter the most in your life. And it's the seed time and harvest principle. It's, it's recognizing that when you plant a seed, you reap a harvest. Seed time and harvest. When you plant a seed in the ground, you actually expect it to grow. 
in the natural. Everything that we do and that we see is in seed form. When you look around us in this beautiful state that we live in, you recognize the plants and the trees and the flowers and the farm fields down in the valley. They all started with this thing called a seed. So it is in the natural. You actually sow seed in so many supernatural areas of your life expecting a return. Let me ask you the question. Why do you even pray? Why do you sow a seed of prayer? Lord, I'm praying and believing today you'll help me get that job. Did you pray that just to, to, to waste calories? Or were you actually expecting God to show up and help you get the job? You sow because you expect to reap. You do that in life with your money. You invest money. I know a lot of you here today may put money into an IRA retirement. You don't do that hoping to get nothing back. You're actually expecting a greater return. You expect by sowing that you're going to reap and even reap a better return. That's what this season is about. And it's, we're, we're going to dive into this one area of expectation. And I want to look at the one area, faith. Faith. Harvest, I want to talk about faith. What does that mean to our life, to your life, to where you're at? Not just in finances, but every area of your life. And when I think about a faith that expects it, we've got to recognize that it's the foundation to everything that you are and everything that you do. When you came in and you sat today on your chair, you didn't look at the legs you actually expected or had faith that it would hold you up. When you got in your car to drive here today, you were going 60 miles an hour down the freeway, you actually had faith and expected that your brakes were gonna work. When you ate your food this morning, you drank your coffee, you actually had faith that it was going to wake you up. See, it's, it's, a part of, it's, it's, it's a part of who we are and what we do. It's a part of God's economy. It's a, a part of humanity, this idea of having faith and expecting. We all have it. If you, if, if you have Jesus in your life as your Lord and Savior, at that point when you prayed, God came and actually deposited a seed of faith in your life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says that we were saved by faith, and we are saved by grace, right? We're not saved by works. It's nothing that we can do. We can't boast. It says, but it is actually a gift of God. So every person in here, most of you that actually have said, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, you actually received a seed of faith. So we all have that. We all have a measure of faith. Because how you nurture the seed determines the level of fruit in your life. There's some of you that have a very little seed. You don't activate it very much. You don't stretch it. You don't use it. You don't ask God to work in your life and you just kind of maybe do the natural thing. It might be a little seed. Some of you might have a, a some seed. Some might have a strong seed, Romans 4. Some of you might have a great seed like the centurion where Jesus says, I don't know anyone else that had such great faith as you. It's because he was stretching and believing that Jesus could actually heal his servant. He said, you got great faith. 
Here's the other thing I recognize about faith. We all have it. We all have a measure of it. But here's the key. No matter where you're at, every one of you can grow it. Starting right now, right here, wherever you're at, not only can you grow it, but it's actually God's will and his desire for you that you actually grow your faith. It's so important. And so this morning, we're going to look at this idea of how do we actually increase our faith? How do we let our roots go down, as it says in Colossians 2.17, and grow down into him that we might be able to see our faith grow strong? What's that look like? And so I want to look at just a couple inspirational, maybe practical things that might help you this morning. The first thing I see about a faith that it can increase in our life is this. It starts by recognizing your own helplessness and need. Where does faith originate? It originates in this one idea. I can do nothing without God. It, you, you come to the place where you recognize he is your sole source of survival. Have you ever thought about the heartbeat in your heart? Who actually gives you or wills you to have the next one? Isn't it God? Isn't he the one, the giver and taker of life? Could he just stop it, bam, right now is your day? Don't do it now, please. It messes up the rest of my message. <laughs> Every breath that we breathe, the food that we have, the hands that he's given us to work, the mind to be able to have intellect and understand. All of that comes, the Bible says in Colossians 1.16, he says, all things were created by him and for him. He created everything. It's created by him. He's the originator of it. He gives it to us. He's intimately involved in our lives every day, every moment, even though we may be too busy to realize it. It starts with this fact where we come and we just say, without you, I can do nothing. Philippians 4.19, that, the, that God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It starts with this idea of saying, you know what? I'm helpless Everything that I have came from you. Meaning that I have to have genuine faith to believe that he's gonna give me the next heartbeat and the next breath. He's gonna help me, he's gonna protect me, he's gonna keep me safe. I remember hearing about a wonderful man and I read a book recently called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets. And Hudson Taylor was one of the greatest missionaries to China. Spent 51 years of his life there. And during his time in China, um, he was able to uh, just be used in a mighty way. He actually helped launch 800 missionaries into China. We're seeing right now one of the greatest awakenings in history in China. I believe some of the seeds started with Hudson Taylor. The underground church in China is now three times larger than the Communist Party of China. I think Hudson Taylor had a lot to do with it. 
When you take a look at some of the stuff that he did, the 125 schools that he started, the 300 missionary stations, the 18,000 first-generation Christians that he was personally involved in leading to Christ, here's a man that understood how he needed God in everything. His book, I would encourage you to read it, is just riddled with stories of having faith and depending on God to help him. In one story in particular, he talks about the orphanage, the multitudes of young kids that were in there, no money, no way, because he would never ask for money. He would never do any kind of giving campaign. He simply would just wait and pray. And he tells of the one story where all the orphans were sitting around the table. They put plates in front of all the kids. There was no food in the kitchen. And he says, okay, kids, what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna hold hands and we're gonna ask God today to bless the food that we're about to receive. And they all grabbed their hands and Hudson Taylor would pray, pray, dear Jesus, we thank you right now for this food. Lord, let it nourish our body. We thank you for the person that brings it to us in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. And then they would just wait. Empty plates, empty cupboards, sure enough. Hey, uh, I was driving by the other day. I was taking this truckload of groceries down to the grocery store, and I, I don't know why, but I felt like I was supposed to stop here. Uh, do you guys need some food? And the kids would run out, unload the truck, and they would eat. I mean, does that increase your faith at all? I mean, it's just kind of like, I mean, he, here's a guy that recognized, man, I love that one clap. It's just, it's just so inspirational. Come on, listen to me. Think about your need. What are you doing with that need? Ah, oh, yeah, well, I just, you know, it's going to always be like that. You're right. Hudson Taylor comes to this place where he says, my face starts recognizing that God placed needs in my life. I have many of them, but he put them in my life as an opportunity to allow me to grow in my faith to be more like him. So let's not complain or worry about all of our needs. Let's recognizing that God's trying to show you, you know what? You're not in control. That's so fun, because we all love to be in control. You know, once, once we come to that place where we realize, okay, I've got all these needs in my life, and okay, God, you're, the, you're my sole source of survival, we need to move into a next area of faith, to increase our faith, and it's this. We need to concentrate on the specific area of need in your life or in the life of others. So when I, when, when I have all these needs, if you want to begin to, to build and strengthen your faith muscle, start by at least focusing on one, saying, okay, I have this need in my life. And again, we all have them, and you've got to begin to focus on those, whether it's finance, whether it's your health, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your children, whatever it might be, it's okay. God, I'm gonna put this need before you, recognizing that only you can do it in me, and then you need to do the next thing. You begin to increase your faith by feeding your spirit with faith words. I believe that there is power 
in your speech. Romans says this, and again, you've got to get this. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to feed your spirit with something, doubt, discouragement, depression. I don't like that. Why not use the same amount of calories, right, to speak words of faith? When I have a need in my life, whatever it is, and I've got lots of them, trust me, here, here's a couple things that I do that increase my faith in this whole area of, of faith words, is I want to go to the Bible, first of all, and I want to study it. I'm going to write down every scripture that I can find that has to do with that area so that I can see actually what God thinks about the area, not what my insecurity thinks about the area, not what my doubt thinks about the area, not about my lack of faith or what someone else is telling me or bad counsel. No, God, what do you say about this area? The second thing I want to do after I study it is I want to pray it. I actually love praying scriptures. Why? Is because you can't go wrong by praying absolute truth. And if you're, you're going through some kind of need or challenge, get his word and begin to just literally pray those. If you have a need for finances, it's, Lord, you said in Philippians 4, 19, God, that you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Amen. And you just go, oh, yeah. I mean, something, something unlocks in your spirit because you begin to activate the word through the confession of your mouth in prayer. Not only do you need to pray it, but you need to say it. Speak it. Shout it! God, you will do this for me. Stir yourself. It's like Lamentations 3. Jeremiah said this. He says, I said to myself, and he goes on and says that, Lord, you're good and that you'll supply my needs and, Lord, you'll be my portion and I'm gonna wait for you. But he starts the sentence by saying, it's this interesting phrase, he says, I say to me, I say to myself, is because he knows by saying it, it's going to build something in him. Say it. Don't walk around and just go, hey, I, I, you know, I, you know, it's just, I'm, I'll never get that job. Why not say, no, I, I will get that job. I'm believing God for that job. He will supply. Say it. Speak it. Well, my marriage, you know, I just, you know, it's never going to work. Stop it. Lord, I contend. Lord, I, I will not accept this situation as reality. Now, God does his part. He's a sovereign God, but we need to position ourselves in faith and speak like the song. Speak to the mountain and it will move. And I drive down, I, I do this a lot in my car, and hopefully you don't drive by me on the freeway because you'll, you'll probably not like me as your pastor because you think I'm a whack job. But I, I've got a half hour each way where I can just say to myself stuff. I can just say stuff out loud. And there's, like today, you know, all these spit things coming out. My, my whole windshield, 
I mean, I'm just, I mean, just, man, I'm just saying stuff in the Holy Spirit. I'm saying stuff to myself when I walk in here about the life I want to live and the person I want to become and the attitude I want. I want to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. I want to have a joy unspeakable, full of glory. God put upon me a stature in this one area. And so I just, I speak them. And then you got to believe them. I, I love this scripture where it says in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he can lie. So if, it, if it's written down in his word, he'll bring it to pass. It's, it's, he has to because it's his nature. He can't lie. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study it. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to believe it about these specific areas. And it does something in me to stir Faith, and I increase in that area where I go, I, I, I'm actually believing that God's going to do a miracle in that area. Here's another one. You increase your faith by doing something that activates your faith. See, here, here's a kicker. Faith is not an intention it's an action. Faith without perspiration is fantasy. In fact, it's not faith until you actually do it. You can pray it all day long, you can say it, you can believe it, but it's not faith until you actually, like Peter in the boat, it didn't become faith until he put his toe into the water. Ah, it's cold. Wow. And then he put one foot out, and again, nice and wet, but when he leaned into it and got out of the boat, that's where faith happened. Boom. Right when he stepped on the water. You want to get out of the boat? You got to walk on water. You got to activate your faith. You know, as I was driving in this morning, I was I was looking at this, this building as I came into the driveway and these domes and 33 acres. And, you know, I, I, I didn't have the privilege of being a part of seeing this come to pass. And I thought, you know, there's some people that actually said it, believed it, prayed it, but then all of a sudden they gave, they believed. And today we get the wonderful privilege of actually seeing what activated faith looks like by enjoying the wonderful privilege of this building. If you're here this morning and you're a part of Bible Temple, previous name of our church, and you actually gave, you actually worked, you actually did something for this building, would you stand up please this morning? I want to personally thank you, 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 thank you. Every one of you, thank you for activating your faith. See, here's the challenge about faith. When we talk about this idea of giving money, we don't like it. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. But when we get away from it and we do it, we come back here and go, man, I'm so glad I did that. 
I mean, every one of these people here, and they gave thousands and months and years of their effort. Not one of them will stand up here and say, oh, yeah, I really regretted that. Right, Steve? You'd never say that. If you did, we'd just make sure you didn't have a job or something. But um, <laughs> I'm teasing. He activated his faith. I think of the Jordan River. It says that he was going to split the river, but it says as, the scripture says in Joshua 3, it says, as soon as the priests put their foot into the water, the river split. It, they, they prayed it, they believed it, but it wasn't until they activated it that it split. I think of our children's ministry. I'm so proud of them. You know what they're doing during the month of November for Faith Harvest? Is they're raising their own money to buy shoes for kids that don't have shoes. I love that. They're not coming home with a flannel graph and you know, coloring a picture of a shoe. They're actually gonna go buy the shoes and they're gonna have these stacks of shoes that they're going to give to kids that don't have shoes. They're gonna activate their faith. We're trying to teach our kids, activate them. During our conference, for GU conference, when we have thousands of youth, we're, we're inspiring them to be a generation that activates their faith. And we're gonna help them by, by uh, getting some bracelets for the, from the Syrian refugees ladies. And they make these beautiful bracelets. And you're gonna buy a bracelet that will help to support a Syrian lady and family over in Syria. Instead of just watching the news and crying and feeling bad and sad because of all of the refugees and the camps and the people walking, this why not just do something why not just say we can do something we can help those ladies we can help those kids we can help them get a shower we can help them get food it's not faith until you do it activate it and then we increase our faith by requiring or requires trusting in the Lord. This is, this is the all-in part. Whole spirit, body, soul, mind. Believing God will do what he says. I, I mean, you know, you read the Bible and it's just like, I mean, don't you guys get challenged a little bit? You know, Jesus spits in the guy's ear and it's healed. I don't recommend that. <laughs> right? It's just like, it's ridiculous. The guy's blind and he says, you know, hey, I'm going to put some mud in your eye. Go wash. He's going to go, yeah, I'd love to. You got mud in my eye, right? I mean, just crazy. You're, you read the stories about, about Joshua and he says, okay, we're going to just march around these walls for seven days. Women are going to have to be silent and then we're going to blow trumpets and then the walls are going to fall flat. Really? Jump into pits with lions and jump into furnaces with our buddies knowing that we're not going to get burnt, it doesn't seem practical. It seems actually supernatural. So it comes to this area of finances. It, it, you know, when it, in our culture today, we, we, we kind of have been taught 
that somehow what we have is ours. And we should choose what we do with what we have. And when I look at this whole idea of faith and seed, in over 2,000 scriptures, God has something to say about your money and possessions. There's a couple things that I think are real important. And again, I think the reason why God chooses to use money to try to get your attention is because it's the thing you hold on to the strongest in your life for the most part. It's actually the very thing that we spend a third of our life trying to earn, then we spend another third of our life trying to spend, and then our third of our life sleeping about thinking about what we just did. Right, the kind of house we live in, the car we drive, the clothes we have, the comforts of life, all of those are dictated by this thing called money. And we think it's mine. So Jesus comes along and says, let's have a conversation in my word 2,000 times just to make sure you get it. And here, here's the kicker. It's not yours. And when you hear that, Listen, because listen, I'm the same way right now. Listen, because there's some people going, uh-oh, here he goes. Here we go. The, when you feel that resistance, it's because he's confronting an area that's uncomfortable to you, and God's trying to help you understand that your resistance is the very thing that's keeping you from a faith breakthrough. Listen, he doesn't need your money. We don't need your money. I hear all the time where they say, you know, wow, church is after my money. Well, listen, number one, we're not after it. We don't want it. And number two, Jesus is saying, it's not yours. When we realize, listen, God called us to be stewards of what he's already given us, not owners and, and trying to determine what we do with what we have made and given. And this is a challenge in the culture in which we live. But when we break through this revelation, realizing, you know what, not mine in the first place, God gave it to me, and then you say, okay, because it's yours, like a banker, I'm glad my banker doesn't do with what he wants with my money, right? He's just a steward. He's a manager. Let, 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 me, let me give you an example this morning. Um, Maybe let's do this. Uh, maybe if there's someone here, if you have $100, bring it to me right now. I want your $100. Right? Just someone give me $100 right now. Is there someone here? Give me $100. Just, just anybody. Awesome. This is nice. Thank you. It's, it's, not, even, it's not even 20s. It's, it's a real $100 bill. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna, this isn't an illustration. I'm going to keep this. Is that all right? I'm just going to keep this. Are you okay with that? You're totally fine with that. Okay, good. No, 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 I don't want your money. I just, I just need this 100, but thank you. Well, we will be putting a, but no. <laughs> I'm really onto something here, you know. Now, here, 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 let me. <laughs> Listen, do you know why it was so easy for her? And by the way, thank you. But you know why it's so easy for her? is because before the service, I gave this to her. And this is what I said. 
I said, when I ask for $100, I want you to give it to me. She knew that it wasn't hers. And I gave it to her. So when I said, can you give me $100? She goes, of course you can. Here. She didn't hold on to it. She didn't say, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom during that part and then go out in my car and leave. She, <laughs> right? If she did, it would have been a real problem. But thank you, you were my backup plan, you know? So... <laughs> See, he, he owns everything. And he gives it to you to be a steward. When, when, when we ask for a tithe, listen, when we talk about tithes, we're not giving an offering. Listen to me, you got to get this. We're returning it. You're just returning something that was already his. But here, here's the part. I want you to get this. We're almost done. He wants to see how he can trust you with it so that he can bless you more. It's not just this idea of stewardship that we're, we're trying to stretch your faith because it's not about money so that you can actually live in a greater realm of faith where God can work in you and through you in every area of your life where you can have greater influence in every aspect of your life. Now, let, let me read just the, 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 this quote from Jesus, Luke 6, 38. He says this, give and it will be given back to you. This is Jesus, this isn't Pastor Mark. He says, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running out all over, for with the measure you use it will be the measure I give it back to you. Listen to what Paul says. Paul takes this one step further. He says this. He who sows sparingly, he, Paul's talking about money right here. This is a money scripture, one of the 2,000 scriptures. This is what Paul says. If you sow sparingly, you'll also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly, or of necessity, talking about motive, for God loves a cheerful giver. Just read, read this on the screen. Now may he, this is God, personalize this to you right now, who supplies the seed. Okay, so God puts in your hand the seed, okay? I've got it right here. Okay, God just supplies the seed, to the sower and bread for the food, listen, may he supply and multiply. This is, this is God's word here. He actually, because he can trust you with little, he who's faithful in little will be given what? Much. He'll multiply it because he trusts you with what he's given you. As I think about my life and I think about literally the, the tens of thousands of dollars that I've given, I've never lacked once. I've never regretted one time helping one person, an orphan, a single mom, a sex trafficking victim, my ties, Faith Harvest. Is it a stretch? 
every time. But I'm so thankful that I did. David said it best this way. He says, I once was young and now I'm old. And he goes on and says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have I ever seen their children begging for bread. Why? It's because he understood this. God will supply everything for you. That's what the season's really all about. When it comes down to, to faith harvest for us, it's really a faith series. It's a time for us just to be stretched a little bit and for us to realize that God wants to do more in your life and your world. The cool thing about this in God's economy, it's, it's not just him working in you and you feeling a little tension right now. It's, it's him wanting to use us to touch nations. I think of the missionaries that we touch. I think of the Syrian refugees. I think of all the water projects in, in Laos. I think of all those foster kids that will be here next Saturday night because of you and your giving that we're able to give them a second chance at life. I think of the sex trafficking victims, many of which I've met and prayed for. I think of all those things. And I'm so thankful that we, as a church, believe in touching people. You know, I, I want to do something as we close. And again, th th this, is, this is something that I, I, I want everybody to participate in. And again, this is just a favor I'm asking of you. I'm not asking right now to do anything with your money, his money that you have, excuse me. I just want you to pray with me about it. This, this is just a faith prayer. If you received a letter this week, you may have gotten a Faith Harvest commitment card. I know some people come to give today, but that's really not my focus right now. If you have that, I want you to just put it in front of you. If you don't have one, can I ask every one of you to do one thing? Reach right in front of you, and there's one of these cards. Don't even put your name on it. Just touch it. Just put it in your hand. For some of you, this, this is new. Some of you younger people, some of you would be new to City Bible Church. This is a new thing. Just, just trust me with this, please. I want you just to do this with it. Just put it right there in your hand. Put your other hand on top of it. If, there, if you're a couple here today, maybe both of you hold it. And all I want to do is pray a spirit of faith into you, into us today. You know, our goal is, or our desire is, I believe it's the, it, it's the Lord's desire is that everybody would just do something. You just say, God, you know, I, even if it's a quarter taped to it, a dollar, but just to say, you know what? I'm gonna take a step. Again, not today, whenever you want, but I'm gonna believe you, God, as I go all in, increase my faith in this area, you're gonna show up because your word promises that you will in my life. Would you hold on to your card and let me just pray for you this morning. Lord, this morning we thank you for everything that you have given us. 
Lord, we recognize today everything has come from you. You've allowed us the wonderful privilege to be a blessed people. Lord, we recognize that we're stewards of what you have given us. And so, Lord, we're asking today as we think about every aspect of our life, not just money, but our time and our talents, Lord, treasures too, but Lord, all those areas, God, that you would help us to be stewards that do what you ask us to do with what you've given us in our life. And Lord, right now, God, I pray for a spirit of faith to fall upon every person in this place. Lord God, stir them, increase their faith. Speak to them, God. Lord, you said you love a cheerful giver. God, just stir their heart today. And Lord, we pray that you would just help us. Lord, to just, to be a, to continue to be just a generous, loving, great, world-shaping church and family. God, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.